The Athletic. Tony Football Show today, Champions League, battle of the big shots at the Bernabeu at San Siro. It's round one to Inter as Milan Splinter leave with Titans Finter and 2-0 on the teleprinter. We ask, what will happen at the Etihad next week? Will Real's roaming charges cost them? And should Milan contact their service provider because they can't find the internet? All that plus a look ahead to the weekend's Premier League action, Everton, Man City and more. And speaking of inter-totally dominating, we've got a brand new bout of the nation's favourite podcast quiz. It's the Toby Football Show. Hey ho, listener. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Thursday the 11th of May and in a luxuriously appointed studio here on London Strand... (laughs) It's Duncan Alexander, Charlie Echo, Sharon, Jack Lang. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Right. Charlie, you've, you've literally just pressed send mm. on your freshly filed piece. Yes, on Hugo Lloris's future. Nice. Where's that going to well, be? Well, he's weighing that up. Really? It could be in Saudi Arabia. Could it be in he, Saudi Arabia? He could be joining the, uh, uh, the exodus to, to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Big, big money offer. Really? Oh, As uh, they tend to be from there. Well, yeah. There's obviously another high-profile player, Jack, who's supposedly heading in that direction. I've heard words to that effect, What yeah. can you tell us about the Messi to Saudi Arabia? Absolutely nothing, nothing sorry. His dad, says, his dad says that, you know, nothing's... But then I've seen... I mean, you've seen, listener, you as well, I've seen those reports that it's all done and dusted. Are you disappointed, Duncan? Um, yeah, I guess a little bit. Mm. It's a bit of a... Strange. I mean, it's very 2023, but it would be yeah. be quite a sort of... I mean, if you'd have gone back 10 years and said this is how Ronaldo and Messi's career would wind up, it would seem a bit odd, I think. Yeah. Ronaldo um, maybe less so. It feels quite on brand for him, but Messi... Yeah. I mean, those shoppy adverts, they were always a sign, weren't they? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When you do your piece, uh, Charlie, do you finish with the last line or... Is it like a sequential writing thing? How do you, or with something like this Loris thing, did you think, here's a pithy way to finish it? I'll put that in and then. It, de- it depends what it is. This was a short, this is a shorter news piece. Right. So that I tend to just you know, go from the top. Go to the wires. When it's a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, PA. Uh, <laughs> when it's uh, a bigger piece, then it's, yeah, it's a whole different kettle of fish. All right. What about you, Jack? Uh, I, I generally spend about 75% of the time on the intro. And that's not even an exaggeration. Like the intro has to be perfect. And the what, rest... like the paragraph, the opening paragraph? Oh, no, the opening, I don't know, depending how long the piece is, the opening chunk. Okay. And, and then the rest. So you've got to grab people. Well, yeah, I just, I can't, you hear people just think, oh, just write the bit that's in your mind. Oh, yeah? Um, is that how you do it? No, I don't like that at all. I, I, need, I need to write it in order. I can't write a bit and then come yeah. back to the start. The start's got to be right. The start and the end are really, really important. I mean, I, sp- I spend a lot of time getting all my notes all ready and very organised. So the actual writing part is quite easy right. and quick to do. So it's you all put there. them in a kind of sequence? Of yeah, yeah. So it's Sorry, broken down by sections. Fascinated by the craft of writing. Mm. Uh, are you fascinated by the craft of writing? Don't, uh, do you think we should fascinated. get on to the Champions League? Well, sometimes? you know. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's more fun to talk about than to do. Well, that's for it's sure. It's a horrible process. Did you ever get instruction on how to write a no. sports article? You Absolutely just, not. Yeah. Just go out there and do it. Just an arm around the shoulder. <laughs> I, arm around the Lad. shoulder and tears in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. What have you got in the works? Just so I can make this um, editorially um, I've got an interview <laughs> with a one of Brazil's World Cup, Ooh. women's World Cup players. Oh, nice one. Um, coming out in a couple of days. 
This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Grealish. Grealish now up to the edge of the penalty area. Gundogan on his right foot. Kevin De Bruyne! Right foot! Flashes into the net! It's 1-1! And what a finish that is to make it! All square in the first leg here in the Bernabeu. Real Madrid won, Man City won. Michael Cox describing it. His kind of opening, literally his opening sentence of his piece was, this was a very good game where very little happened. Do you think that's mm. fair, Duncan? Yeah, I, I know what he means. I mean, it was a very good game. I think everyone who watched it was was pretty enthralled and engrossed by it. Um, but I think both teams kind of scored at points where they weren't really dominating. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean, it was pretty much what you'd want from a, a Champions League semi-final, I felt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Michael certainly enjoyed it, but he he points out there were no serious goal-scoring chances other than the the two superb goals out of nothing. There were there was no obvious man of the match. He suggests no substitutions until the 81st minute for Real, and I think none whatsoever for Man City, which a lot of people found intriguing and it does that quite often doesn't he it's uh, a weird work yeah. yeah and what did you feel about that Charlie I, 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 yeah I really enjoyed the game I just thought the quality was so high without there being loads of chances I, I really enjoy watching Real Madrid now I know, I know for a while they were this weird team that kept winning every year and everyone mm. was like how do they do that because they're not even that good and it would obviously be Ronaldo was, was a big part of that I think now they're very different from City. They don't control games in the same way, but they have such a threat. They feel quite a throwback in that way. Like they don't. Mm. It's not like they press you, especially. They just have these amazing players on the counter mm. and uh, some absolutely world-class midfielders, and they get it out to Vinicius Junior. And the speed with which he can just move them up the pitch, I find incredible. To it watch. almost feels like they're like a version of the turn of the century, Madrid, without yeah. the Galacticos. You know, I think Michael's got a piece on that coming up soon actually what but, is that right but um, yeah there's actually you watch them now and you, and you kind of know where everyone plays and you know what they're going to do and it's actually I think it's quite upsetting when there's a lot of um, you know a team that doesn't seem to fit together I mean maybe I've felt that with Chelsea this season when you're just like Ugh, you don't get it and I think if you can watch a game you actually just get what the teams are about I think that adds to the enjoyment it takes some of the stress away Was this game more about Real Madrid for you then than Man City and do you feel Man City were slightly underperforming or slightly overcautious in it? I'm not sure about overcautious. I th- I just think Madrid defended well. So City's, you know, the first 25 minutes, say, City were completely dominant. But it was it was a slightly anodyne dominance in that Madrid, you always felt, had them at arm's length. Mm. There was that, you know, Haaland underhit a shot and then there was that w- Rodri effort. proved more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was that Rodri shot from range, but generally City's best play, like I think you would have to say you would struggle to name a City attacker that played really, really well. Even De Bruyne, you know, aside from the goal. I thought City's best player for the first bit and probably overall was probably John Stones, maybe Rodri. I thought their kind of combination play in deep areas was fantastic. But again, Madrid were keeping them largely outside the box. So I, w- I wouldn't say it was caution from City. I just don't think they quite unlocked the Madrid defence in the way that they would have liked. Um, credit to Madrid for that, I guess. And that's why essentially they City didn't make a substitution was because maybe it didn't look like they were going to get a second, but it didn't look like they were going to concede a second. You know, right. Perhaps like a landlocked country, he's heard of subs, but he doesn't necessarily need them. <laughs> nice, so, um, nice. That would, and that would be your opening to the, yeah. your match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, De Bruyne was interesting because he, he sort of needed 
obviously he's at an already incredibly elevated level. But I think part of the reason he's not generally in the kind of Ballon d'Or conversations is because when it comes to these big Champions League knockout ties, he doesn't influence games. And you look at someone like Modric, who just grabs games, dominates them. Even Vinicius Junior is so decisive in these big matches. Uh, and after about an hour, my brother was saying to me, it's like, is, is, is De Bruyne a bit symptomatic of City in the sense that absolutely dominant in the Premier League? But when it comes to these massive Champions League nights, do they impose themselves in quite the same way? And obviously then, seven minutes later, he scored that absolutely brilliant goal. But I think he does. That's what he needs to do if he is to get in that conversation of the really, really elite players, best players in the world. Mm. They were tiring, though, weren't they, the City, towards the end? And it, it, I mean, it is singular when you had players like Foden and, and, and all the rest of them on the bench that Pep didn't think, and clearly he had his reasons because he's Pep, I, but I guess the most obvious change would have been maybe bringing on Foden for Grealish. But Grealish was another player I thought played really well, created six chances from open play, which is impressive at the Bernabeu. But just that control, he had a couple of misplaced passes in the first half and almost did a Gaza-style injury in the first minute when he uh, tackled. But I thought his improvement this season, and that was that game was kind of the you know symbolic of that, really. He was just that out ball all the time. He's, he's just, I can see why... You know, Guardiola would not want to take that away with the last 10 minutes. You do see teams sometimes well making subs almost for the sake of it, it feels. Mm. When they bring mm. on players, you're like, but they're kind of worse. <laughs> and I get, you know, fresh legs, as, as we were told, it was a very warm night. Um, but this is something he does fairly often and it does tend to work for them. Mm. Michael's moment of the evening was straight after the second half got underway when basically Real Madrid, I'm not sure how many passes were involved, but they shifted it through the entire team yeah. and there was sort of some sexy back heels in there before Benzema ultimately I think put it into the side netting yeah it was deflected over I think was it, it was okay. a yeah, last ditch block yeah that was gorgeous move um, what I liked about that move there were a couple of passes I think one was Modric and one was Vinicius actually kind of a pass that tells the player where to go mm. um, big fan of that I, we might talk about Sergio Busquets later and that's his speciality mm. but yeah a lovely intricate passing move Danny Carvajal popping up with a kind of like a back heel near assist uh, at the end of it and yeah Madrid are capable of those moments like the second half especially I thought they kind of figured out a better pattern to test City like Camavinga was kind of getting into the centre more and yeah Modric was kind of like popping up in left back areas thought they looked really dangerous down that side in particular and yeah Michael said no obvious man of the match but I think I think Camavinga yeah would have got my had he not selection. basically played Man City in for their equaliser well we all make mistakes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah I thought he was great and the thing with him I, I just I hope he likes playing at left back because he was so good there and right. they don't really have anyone else. And if, if Madrid signed Bellingham this summer, um, you know, that could how, be how, his How does that work? Because everyone seems to think that that's where it's heading. And so you've got him. How, do, how would the, that front three currently work with front, Bellingham in front there? Front three. Oh, the Real Madrid. Mid, yeah, mid, with Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. and well, I think Benzema. The, Am I misunderstanding entirely where Bellingham would fit into that? Probably, yeah, his, I think the front three would stay the same. And he would be, instead of... One of three midfielders, I guess. Okay. Um, I suppose, on current form. Ahead of Cruz? Yeah, I mean, Cruz Cro yeah. feels like he's on, on the way out. I mean, there's Chermany as well, who yeah. now, now can't get a game. Also had a really hard shot in this game. Yeah, and against England. Mm-hmm. Whose shot was hardest in this game, Duncan? Is there any data on that? No data, so it's all vibes. But I right. mean, 
I'd say De Bruyne. Is yeah, do you feel? Felt yeah, I think yeah. he probably leathered that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that um, battle on the flanks between Carvajal and Grealish, and then Walker and Vinicius Jr. Yeah. That that that's when I think the standard just felt so high because there are very few fullbacks I think who could cope with Vinicius the way Carl Walker did, and it looked like he was and, really really relishing it. And at the end of the game, they high fived each other, yeah. which was really nice. As there well. was a moment earlier as well where they kind of looked at each other knowingly, like sort of that Spider Man meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game recognizes game. Nice. So if Pep. Felt he was happy with the situation, didn't make any subs. Did he get what he wanted? And who's got the advantage going into next Wednesday's return? I think City will be really happy with that result. Um, obviously, second leg at home. No away goals changes the dynamics slightly. But I think, you know, going back to what Duncan said, I think that is part of the reason why he didn't make any subs. I think it was a definitely a stick situation rather than a twist. Mm. Um, you'd expect... Cities, you know, Haaland and De Bruyne, rare for Haaland to be that quiet two games in a row. So given that it was a a relatively quiet night for him, I think they will expect or, or at least hope for a bit more impact from him on home soil. And yeah, Madrid obviously pull something out of a hat as they always can. But I would I would be probably 60-40 in City's favour at this stage. I mean, they've beaten Real at home twice in the last few seasons. Mm. Oh, admittedly, one of those was a first leg that they then lost the tie. But I, I don't think they'll have that, that, they'll have that fear factor. I mean, weirdly, home. without anyone noticing it, they've gone, is it five years in Europe without losing at the Etihad? It's become a sort of fortress. Fortune. So, I mean, that probably means nothing for next week but I think at home I think they'd have taken Guardiola would have definitely taken you know go into the second leg at home level I think it's as Jack said it's it's advantage city alright you don't seem so sure no I really don't know Jack uh, it's Real Madrid mm. it's Real and Madrid football I, club we're talking about here. <laughs> exactly quite so well, I guess we'll see. Uh, Vinicius Junior. The, the Carlo Ancelotti to Brazil story, Jack, can you give us any further uh, info on that? And is his relationship with key Real Madrid players part of the attraction for the... Yeah, in the last international break, they a couple of them referenced it. Um, Rodrigo and I think it may have been... It must have been Vinicius. They said like they do... It's kind of like an open topic. Right. They, kind of, they joke with Ancelotti about it. Um, from what I hear from our um, Spanish correspondents, Ancelotti would prefer to stay at Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems that it's coming to the end of a cycle. And I, th- I think, well, Brazil are certainly very keen. They've made that, you know, right. they've made overtures. Their president, Ednaldo Rodriguez, has been in Europe and he's, you know, initiated these conversations. I think for Brazil, it'd be a really interesting appointment. I can see exactly why they would go for him. I think he kind of his personality is quite suited to the rhythms of international management. Mm. Um, there was a good little meme from kind of Brazilian tweeters last night or the night before with kind of uh, a picture of Guardiola and all his instructions going to like three paragraphs and then mm-hmm. a picture of Ancelotti and, it, and his was just like, give it to Vinicius. Right. And I think that could potentially work quite well for well, Brazil as well. Simplify, yeah. 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 Nice. And, and why not Saudi Arabia? Is the offer not there for him? I, I actually have less of an insight on Saudi, Saudi Arabian Arabia. contract offers yeah. than you seem yeah, to think. Yeah. By the way, that reference I made to uh, Erling Haaland's father, Alfie, uh, you, you may have seen this, but if you didn't, extraordinary scenes as he was ejected during the game from the VIP box, where I imagine they had a great view. Um, after, what was the... 
Because I saw the suggestion that he'd thrown peanuts. That yeah. was suggested, yeah. It's yeah. been he a bit overblown, it. I think. He's well, come the out. clip was overblown, but we, I guess we don't know when. He, but he's come out and said it was... I mean, you, you don't see this very much. Banter. It was just a bit of banter, yeah. <laughs> right, really? So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Our finger keysy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, looks like whoever does make it through from next Wednesday's game at the Etihad will be facing Inter in the uh, final. In Istanbul, we'll discuss the reasons for that next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners, and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScore Bet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScore Bet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Milan nil, Inter two on Wednesday night at San Siro. What, what a magnificent setting for a game of football. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. It was it was very over egged. I felt on the coverage, but it really like. But it, but it was it, it was pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, the, when it's um, full like that, the devil, a great state. The devil. Yeah, the choreography Tifa, it was pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty intense. I like that. Yeah, it was pretty much the last kind of remark, you know, vaguely kind of Milanesque thing we, we we saw from the word go that this was not a game that was in any doubt. Milan, I think, maybe ended up with two shots on target, but they were fairly. Weak efforts. Hit the post. And they hit the post, that's true. But then Inter did as well. Yeah. Um, Inter, who'd taken a 2-0 lead in the first 11 minutes, the first goal of which from Edin Dzeko, who some were surprised had got the nod ahead of Romelu Lukaku. I think the surprise evaporated mm-hmm. shortly after he had uh, manhandled Calabria out the way and, and hooked that that corner from Chalanoglu into the net. According to Steve McManaman, better than the goals in the Man City game. Well, I thought it was pretty special. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you want. In terms of difficulty of technique, I can't kick a ball. So I have no idea which bit is more difficult. But, but yeah, it's definitely a more unusual goal. I don't know if it's more... I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're all difficult skills, all mm. three of those goals. But it, it's, it's a really strange goal to see mm. for a corner to reach that part of the box mm. at that height. And be allowed to kick it in. Yeah, yeah. 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 you should never really see that. Mm. I mean, he did kind of allow himself to kick it by yeah. thrusting, by basically manhandling Calabria. I think it was Calabria. But yeah. And then uh, who got the second one? It Mkhitaryan. was Mkhitaryan. I really yeah. like that goal as well. Right. The first touch, the, the way it's left for him. Right. And the first touch is so clean. It just takes out about three players and makes it such an easy finish for himself. And he, t- he takes it really well. You don't see goals like that much anymore, do you? Like when the 
midfielder sort of third man run burst through yeah, yeah. yeah I mean he scored one like that McIntyre for United against Spurs in I think it was December 2016 he puts it really high and he does that again this he just puts it so high the keeper just doesn't have a chance when you mm. do that even though it's fairly central it's almost like a penalty the way he hits mm. it yeah and then there was that penalty it looked like uh, Inter were going to go 3-0 up when they were awarded a penalty after Lautaro's uh, well cheeky move and then sneaky move would you call it yeah, I, th- I didn't think it was a penalty at all. I'm, I was delighted that they overturned it. I mean, it was a terrible attempted clearance by Kier. And Milan's defence overall was absolutely shocking. Um, you know, I've seen Fikayo Tamore play well and obviously played a role in a title win. But I thought that was very ropey from him last night. Uh, obviously, Inter... Playing with two strikers, there was kind of a chaos factor. And it was so often two against two. I mean, for, for the Mkhitaryan goal, that was largely because Dzeko and Lautaro Martinez were just occupying that defence so so well. And it like just Inter just seemed to have more men all over the pitch. It was a weird kind of tactical battle in that they seemed to dominate every single area. And yeah, didn't think it was a penalty. Milan, uh, I think... You know, justice was done on that occasion, but they will feel very lucky to have got away with just a two-goal defeat there. Really do feel. Did you see it coming? I mean, I think it was, it was such a battering. Well, if you look at how, I mean, their form has been, Milan this time last week were drawing 1-1 with penultimate in the table, Cremonese, and you mm. can say, well, that's they've got the focus on the cup, but they, they kind of scraped through. I mean, you would have seen against yeah, yeah. Spurs, against you know an abject-looking Spurs, and they barely made it through that. Uh, and when they face into this season, this is what tends to happen. You, you don't have to go far back. The um, mid-January, they had the Super Cup in Saudi Arabia, Jack. I'm sure <laughs> you were across that. Uh, and where Inter beat them 3-0 and, and Milan couldn't lay a glove on them. Um, that was, I think, without Liao as well, who yeah. is kind of there. Well, Teo Hernandez can be great, but he was ineffective last night. Giroud, I think, who they maybe thought of as a big game player, potentially, wasn't able to do anything. Junior Messias was Junior Messias. Well, just the fact that they replaced Benacer yeah. with Messias. Yeah. They, I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but now just chuck on another central midfielder, keep it tight for a bit, you know, play Messias in the last 10 minutes or whatever. The, you know, Brahim Diaz was kind of lost centrally and yeah, Inter just took them apart so many times. Mm. You do wonder, I was wondering this last night, whether... In that rare scenario where it's a semi-final between two teams that play on the same ground, whether it is better to be away first, because no matter what you think as a player, like the onus was on Milan at the start of that game. You know, yeah. they had the atmosphere, they had the fans, or most of the fans, and I think Inter took advantage of that. And you know, obviously that won't necessarily be the case in the second leg because the the first legs happened. But if Inter had been at home last night, what what would that have changed? Well, I don't know. I just think Milan just got off on a the front foot really badly you know right. they started and I think possibly you know they, they, they're lining up there before the game it's their home yeah, game lack to clear head a bit yeah right so it's just, it was just a theory I was mulling as I right. contemplated shared stadium <laughs> <laughs> might not be the situation for too much longer although given that it's Italy it really might for years and years and years uh, Andre Onana with his seventh clean sheet of the season in the Champions League if I make it 11 games they were in a group with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Pretty good. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't think he's ever had a quieter evening. Well, it's especially when you consider there is a kind of, you know, 
slightly patched up look to the defence. But I think Bastoni is a fantastic player. Yeah. But, you know, Acerbi is kind of an old guy. Or, yeah, mm. in the last kind of last little Indian summer of his career, maybe. And you've got Matteo Damian, who I've always quite liked, but mm. objectively didn't do that well for Manchester United and, you know, a fullback more than a centre-half. So right. it's not it's not exactly like a, a gold-studded backline, is it? And so, yeah, fair play to them. Fair play to them. There you go. Two goal lead, which is not definitive. And Milan themselves know how wildly scorelines can score in the second half of, of ties. But, yeah, hmm. very good. More of that to come Tuesday, Wednesday next week. How about next up? We discussed a bit... Before that, in the Premier League with round 36 of this season. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Match day 36. Only three to go. Charlie, has mm. that crept up on you the way it's crept up on me? Has a little bit. I mean, there are still four games left. Five games left even for some teams, aren't there? Who's with, got five? I think Brighton, Brighton have five. Yeah. yeah, City have four. So maybe that's why it's a little deceptive. But okay. yeah, no, it ha- it's uh, it is all coming to an end. Okay, it's set to be Duncan the season with the highest goals per game average since 1967-68. I'm telling you this, but you told me this. Actually. I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why 67-68? Well, that was the memory. <laughs> okay. Weirdly, though, the yeah. lowest top flight sco- uh, season ever for goals per game is 1970-71. So within no three way. years. Yeah. What a crazy is that a time. response to that crazy 6768? Well, there is a theory that um, that obviously people started defending better in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, As a reaction, yeah. Do you do you foresee a kind of a, a nuclear winter of goals almost well, following this eruption? Football is cyclical, and we are due a, a Mourinho Benitez style, you know, right. reduction at some point. But yeah, this season's been pretty mad on that front. Obviously, Monday there were three games in the Premier League and 21 goals, which smashed the record for a right. three-game day by five goals. Pretty impressive. Right, okay. When when was the record from? Well, it was equaled a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then I think twenty eighteen as well. So yeah. yeah it's um we're living in goal laden times. <laughs> we certainly are. It's inflation, isn't it? Maybe so, Jack, but uh, maybe enjoy it while you can if you do enjoy those kind of things. Let's have a look at which fixtures the goals will be flying in in this weekend. Saturday it all begins twelve thirty with Leeds Newcastle, then there's Five games at three o'clock, Saints Fulham, Chelsea Forest, Villa Spurs, Man United Wolves and Crystal Palace against Bournemouth. And on Sunday, you've got two games at two, Everton Man City and Brentford West Ham. Which one of those is on telly, by the way? Leeds Newcastle's BTR early game. Yeah, and the two o'clock on Sunday? That's Everton. That's the Everton Man City. Good. Yeah. And then then Arsenal, Brighton. 4.30, Arsenal get their chance to respond to whatever Man City have done against Everton. As they host Brighton on Monday, it's Leicester-Liverpool, which could be key, Ooh, could yeah. be key for that top four race, depending on what has happened with Man United and Wolves back on Saturday afternoon. Crikey. Uh, is the fixture that you're most excited about Everton-Man City? 
Well, it's certainly more so than I would have been a couple of weeks ago, and that would have seemed like a complete foregone conclusion. Right. I'll tell you who is excited about it. Producer Charlie. Help us, Sean Dyche. You're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Dominic Calvert-Lewin I think is I mean I've always I mean it's so blindingly obvious but said about him a few times on this podcast I thought if they're going to stay up they really really need him mm. and he's come back I think Everton have got eight and four games having scored eight and nine previous I mean he makes such a difference until he came back his only game under Dyche was when they beat Arsenal 1-0 and he was brilliant in that he makes such a difference um, and so assuming he's fit to play Everton will have him they're off the back of that crazy win at at Brighton, I mean, I, I, you'd obviously still think City would go and do what they do and control it. And yet, it's a city distracted by this kind of double duel with, with, with Ancelotti's Real Madrid. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Everton went to the Etihad earlier this season, didn't they draw 1-1? They did, pretty fortuitously, but, but nonetheless, they right. did. Frank Lampard's Everton, that was. Um, last team to get anything at the Etihad, I think. Really? Yeah. Um and obviously this is at Goodison and I mean it's it's one of those games I mean if Everton could stay in it or go ahead mm. you can really see it becoming raucous them getting so into it you know last season they won a bunch of games at Goodison at the end of the season beat Chelsea beat United in similar circumstances I think with City to go ahead and slightly do what they do and suck the life out of the game and the support which they're so good at doing they might win comfortably. But also, you know, you, you mentioned it's in between these Real Madrid ties, mm. but they've also got a lot of players who didn't play oh, yeah, in the first that's because of the no subs. And that's you're why they make that, substitutions. Well, yeah, you've got Mares, Foden, Alvarez. These, you know, even if they were to change all of those players, I don't think you're not seeing a huge drop off in quality. But hopefully, at least, you know, Everton can make it an interesting game. Mm. Poland will want to play, obviously, as he's hunting down Dixie Dean's heritage. There you go, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Charlie's completely right about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's been... I mean, I think Everton was really brave. Sean Dyche was really brave in, in giving him the time to recover because they mm. brought him back too soon so many times and he's broken down. But he actually looks fully functional, like a second Death Star, to continue your analogy. Death Star analogy, um, tick. What about Dwight McNeil? Boyhood Man United fan. Five goals in his last nine matches. I really like Dwight McNeil. I think he's a mm. great player. I always loved him at Burnley. Um... Quite old school in that in that side he played a left winger a mm. left footed left winger, which you don't see so much of anymore. Um, so yeah, I'm, pl- I'm pleased to see him him doing so well. I enjoyed his uh, first goal in the yeah. premature celebration uh, celebrated before it had gone in it was quite funny. Very nice, yeah. Well, depending on what happens there, there might be there might be a ray of light. The door might be slightly might, might be cracked ajar for Arsenal when a couple of hours later they take the field. At home to Brighton. Brighton, who cost Arsenal their top four hopes last year with a, a victory in this fixture. Uh, but then again, uh, Arsenal beat Brighton 4-2 at the Amex. I don't know what Brighton we're going to see. Do you know what Brighton we're going to see, Jack? No, Should not be really. A good game, though, I think so, yeah. I, potentially potentially a, a bad time to play Brighton because they mm. will, you know, I would imagine they'll be looking for a reaction after the Everton game. Wounded seagull. Yeah. <laughs> Very dangerous. Flying around in circles. Flying around. Um, So, yeah, Brighton kind of, Deserby's been experimenting a bit, you know, I suppose straying from what was a fairly fixed side, you know, playing Caicedo at fullback, a bit of Buonanotte and Undav and uh, Enciso. But I I think he should probably just go back to 
back to basics here. Um, Solly March is injured, so they, it won't be the kind of the classic lineup. But for me, this is the match of the weekend mm. because Arsenal have been, you know, after after the wobbles, I thought they were excellent against Newcastle. Really managed the occasion well and kind of wound Newcastle up to an amusing degree, which I liked. Uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. I don't know who's going to win. I think it will be an exciting one okay. because both teams better going forward than defending, but I will 100% be on my sofa here. Boom. I mean, they, that game that Arsenal won in Brighton, uh, mm. in Brighton mm-hmm. at 4-2, Brighton were missing McAllister and Caicedo. Right. So I think that will make a big difference. Caicedo was someone Arsenal really wanted in January. So that's an interesting subplot. I mean, Arsenal don't keep clean sheets at home. They've kept three all season and 10 away, which is really weird. So I think the chances are both teams will score in this game. I mean, I think the thing with Arsenal is take out the two games against City. From their last 12 league games, they've won nine, drawn three. I mean, that's obviously amazing, normally title-winning form, but they're up against this juggernaut, and so it's not quite good enough. Right. But they've been very, very consistent. Obviously, those three draws are also consecutive, so it created this mm. sense of implosion. But generally, they've been very... I mean, all season, clearly, they could get 90 points if they win their last three games, which is what the Invincibles got. So, I mean, you know, you would think they'd have enough to win this game, but, yeah, Brighton... yeah. They've also had such a good season. It, it would also just be quite nice for Arsenal to end the season, even if they don't win the title, mm. with a winning run, just so it can rightly be seen as, OK, this was a really valiant effort and just really nip the mm. bottling talk in the bud because I think that's just really not the case here. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Everton, meanwhile, take on City at the bottom. Saints are gone pretty much. They are eight points from safety with only nine left to play for. They'll be hosting... Fulham has mentioned and the next four teams above them are all trying to avoid two places in the championship and only separated by three points the four of them you've got Leeds and Leicester who are both in the bottom three on 30 points Everton are two points above them and Forest are three points above them Forest have Chelsea Leicester are at home to Liverpool on Monday and Leeds get a visit from Newcastle weird stat Newcastle who under Eddie Howe had really Set the he'd set his kind of foundations on amazing defensive record. No, they were, I think, the meanest defense in mm. the league. They uh, currently uh, only Leicester have kept fewer clean sheets than them since the start of February. Mm. What, what happened there? It is, I think, they have. If you remember, sort of end of the year, start of this year, they, they had a few nil nils, and I think it was felt that maybe, in fact, against Leeds at home, they drew nil nil. Um, late December and, and it was like oh have they been found out a little bit and obviously they've also um, against Arsenal with both Isaac and Wilson mm. and so I think that they've they've pivoted to a slightly more attacking way of playing and maybe just haven't quite got that balance right because you're right I mean they were they were such a mean defence you know they weren't even really giving up many chances and this one you know that you're looking at the table and if they drop points here mm. I think Liverpool's Ears will prick up, and right. then maybe maybe we could catch them. Mm. Okay, well, Liverpool are currently three points behind Newcastle, only one behind Man United, but they have played a, an, an extra game. Mm. Uh, Liverpool are going to be at Leicester, who themselves have uh, issues. Uh, in fact, Leicester, only Southampton have taken fewer points at home than them this season, and Liverpool coming into this one on a six-victory-in-a-row streak. Although the last five have been... 
by one girl first mm. time they've done that since 1974 is so that right it's you know it could have easily been a few draws or even a defeat in there but we've, we've had some huge score lines Duncan mm. this season as you mentioned earlier is this a fixture that you think could be a big one here well, you look at the last uh, Leicester's last home game, and both teams got over three xG, which is mm. the first time that's ever happened in recorded history. I mean, Leicester Liverpool tends to be a bit of a bellwether fixture. I mean, remember when Leicester won the league, they beat Liverpool two nil, um, and then when Liverpool won the league, they was it Boxing Day they won four nil at Leicester, and yeah. everyone was like, "All right, Liverpool going to win the league." Yeah, that's done. Um, and what's that thing? No, don't worry, COVID. Um, uh, so yeah, I think. Obviously, this is coming quite late in the season compared to those. But, yeah, I think Liverpool have got enough to get past Leicester. I mean, Leicester fans seem pretty resigned. Of, of all the teams down there, they mm. seem the most resigned to going down. Which is strange because they've probably got the, the best squad. But, crucially, their players seem the most resigned as well. Certainly based on last weekend's performance. Yeah, they just they just concede too many goals. And, you know, surprise, that's, that's not a good thing. I mean, Leeds are quite interesting because they've got this strange record. It's almost like a kind of swimming pool theory where... They um they've won all four of their Premier League games this season when they've started the day in the relegation zone, but only three um, of thirty one when they haven't been in the relegation. Right, they're zone. currently in the relegation. So it's almost zone. like when you jump in a cold swimming pool, you're like, oh, we better better get moving. They're like, <laughs> as soon as they're in the bottom three, they're like, oh, we better start we winning some games. Yeah. Don't they it's tell nice. you though when you when you fall in really cold water they actually say don't get moving they just say like, they? yeah oh, hang on this sounds important what what should you do if you fall in really cold water i think you should like, not panic yeah we're not you need to Waste let energy. your yeah essentially right, essentially Roy. don't move too much oh yeah initially i mean this um, this is probably third hand at best <laughs> but right. i think what i think the idea is like you, you want to start yeah, you want meal. to start um <laughs> swimming and paddling Frantically, yeah, but that's don't not that. the right plan. You need to give yourself yeah. 30 seconds. Well, I guess two of a team in the relegation zone as well. Don't panic. Don't panic. Keep, keep doing the right thing. Right. Trust the process. Yeah, Hang I'm, on, 30 seconds of not moving in a nice cold not, not Not moving, not, not but moving. you know, just take but it don't easy. Get fr- a frenzy. Frenzy. Yeah. Pull a muscle or cramp up, you know. That's, mm. I, I, I'm, and it is so very, very cold for the likes of uh, <laughs> Leicester, Leeds I, I and w- Southampton. Yeah, I wish I was more sure of that now, having said it, because it may just be rubbish. It's quite a big responsibility on your shoulders now. <laughs> it's quite cold. Athletic journalists <laughs> sued over dodgy <laughs> safety advice. Pretty yeah. chilly, the old weather this weekend. Anyone going swimming? Yeah. But Jack Lang said it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's your qualification, sir? Oh, lives in Cornwall. Do you live in Cornwall? No, I don't live in Cornwall. Grew up in Cornwall. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, that actually adds some credence to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so yeah, much. should have led yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All, all quite apposite for the battle not to go down, of course. And Nottingham Forest currently with their heads above water, etc. and so on. As they host Chelsea, they are the worst away team in the country. But they're taking on just the worst team in the country, aren't they, Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, I mean, momentum-wise, nothing really to fear for Forest here. Do you think? I would suggest, yeah. yeah. I mean, Chelsea just is... <laughs> Classic sleepwalking towards the end of the season. Can't wait for it to be over. And there was there was a little bit of demob happiness against Bournemouth. Mm. You no, know, Joao Felix finally scoring, and I would suggest there may be a couple of players at least wanting to show what they can do. You know, a, yeah. a lot of a lot of players there who hadn't shown enough. Shot window. Well, not shot. Yeah, not even shot window, but like Felix maybe, but just right. internally, <laughs> like it would be nice for you know for Mudrick or someone okay. to mm. for sure. Got four games to get a, a little bit of that pressure off his back. Chelsea, Chelsea are currently eleventh 
uh, in the table. And the next three games are Man City away, Man United away, and then Newcastle at home. It's not science fiction to suggest that this is their last chance to get any points. And they could end up as low as, I mean, what, 14th, for example, where Bournemouth currently are? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Mm. It's been a rough season for them anyway. There's talk already this week of um, Kovacic being one of the ones to go. Really? Entering. I think there's going to be so many departures this summer. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a very, a very busy transfer window. Right. Well, next up, uh, let's check in on uh, the team currently occupying fourth spot, but looking a little bit precarious themselves. Manchester United. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Man United fans, here's cheery Colin Miller uh, urging you on social media to prepare for three outcomes. Colin says, beaten to Champions League football by Liverpool. You ticking that box, Duncan? You got that? I've penciled it in. Okay. Scenario two, lose the FA Cup final to Man City, who could then replicate treble achievement. Yikes. And, continues Colin, to top it all off, ongoing uncertainty over sale, seeing Glazers retain control of the club. Uh, The sale process that began last year and supposedly was came with a fixed deadline of February, but that's gone by and there's absolutely no... What, that's three months later? No. Yeah, where, where are we with that now? I'm not... I mean, that it's been delayed again. I don't know. Um, and that there is this chance that the Glazers may stick around, which obviously is the kind of doomsday scenario for all Manchester United. Fans. How much would this be impacting on their uh, squad building for next year and the key players they need to bring in well we ran a story in the athletic that it would the bids aren't affected certainly by whether they get champions league in top four as for their summer transfer targets united have generally been reasonably well insulated even when they haven't been in the champions league because of the money they can offer and the prestige that they have so it may make some difference i don't think it would be catastrophic for them right. like it would some other clubs but, but the change but, of ownership presumably well, well that yeah that yeah. would but but i mean Yes, the change of ownership definitely will. Um, but, I d- yeah, I don't think it's necessarily tied up with with how they finish the season. That being said, it would obviously be a huge blow for Ten Hag as well in, in that project. Um, were they not? I think they still will get top four, for mm. what it's worth. I mean, they've, they've, they've tended to follow this pattern. Certainly away games against anyone decent, they've lost and generally lost heavily. But they've been really good at home. So I think, you know, that they, they they'll get a couple more wins. Even that should be enough for them um to sort of stagger over the line. Yeah. Uh, which is, is, I think I think they will they'll be okay. Okay. They're at home to a Wolves team who are now mathematically safe. Although Wolves did actually win at Old Trafford last season. Oh, that was it was a different United though. Hmm. Anyone want to weigh in on Man United Wolves? Not so much, I mean, listener. Yes, to, here comes Duncan. <laughs> to Charlie's point, Duncan? United have been good at home. I mean, right. they're going for uh, six clean sheets at home in a row, which is the first time in quite a while. But 
I think if there's a team that could upset them, it's probably Wolves. Wolves are oh, a yeah. little bit... When they play well at the moment, they are really good, I think. And um, as you say, they've got nothing to lose. And I think if, if there is a banana skin in United's re- remaining games, it probably is this one. Really? Mm. Okay. I mean, Lopetegui has done an amazing job. Um, you know, that, I think it's forgotten kind of how badly they were doing. Ad- admittedly, I think there was a sense that maybe they were slightly underperforming and they had some decent players. But it's kind of come in, it's, as, as you say, I mean, safe with three games left. They've not really been in that conversation for a while. Oh, could finish above Chelsea. Indeed. For what that's worth. Well, there you go. If Man United do slip up in that game, and a reminder they are fresh from two 1-0 defeats in a row, then Liverpool will have the chance to move past them with their game at Leicester on Monday night. Hmm. Of course, uh, United will have a chance to respond because they've got a game in hand on Liverpool. Yeah, we'll find out in the next few weeks, Jack Lang. Uh, very good. You mentioned Sergio Busquets uh, mm. earlier on. And uh, this because yesterday, I think it was, it was he announced yeah. that uh, there last. will be no more biscuit games at Barcelona. <laughs> End of an era. He, yeah. I mean, he's not just, it, it's, it's kind of symbolic, I suppose, beyond how good a player he's been. He's kind of the last of that generation, both for, you know, the, the Spain winning run and obviously Barcelona's. Nice that in the end he was managed by Xavi, with whom he had such a good relationship but he's been one of my yeah favorite players over the last 15 years or so did you always like him because lots of people didn't yeah i i know i mean i can understand why like he's uh, there's a mastery of the dark arts there that's right. part of the appeal but I, I i i think it's positional i i like it in a midfielder more than i like it in other players and with him i don't know i just the artistry with which he kind of sets the tempo of a game and kind of ushers his teammates around the pitch I just think it's beautiful to watch and kind of a vanishing art slightly mm. you, you can't really imagine um, you know even now a kind of player with Busquets profile his kind of physical profile mm. thriving to that degree because he's not you know he's not quick he's not particularly strong he's tall but not you know he's not powerful and yet he's just orchestrating I, I think he's fantastic mm. he was I think back in the day apart from the dark arts he was also maybe seen as a little bit the, the Ringo of the of the uh, Barcelona midfield you know alongside Iniesta mm. and Xavi well there's uh, there's that you know that messy goal in 2011 at the Bernabeu where he's where he runs basically from the halfway line and scores mm. I love the fact that, that starts with Busquets playing almost like literally like a two yard pass to him basically just gives him was like off you go <laughs> you go and just run the rest of the pitch and score which obviously massively plays down how good he was and how important he was but I think that played into that perception a little bit that he he would just kind of sit back give the ball to the really creative players which he you know he talks about that he says things like he doesn't he's happy for anyone else to score because he doesn't care about scoring himself Mm. I think he scored something like 20 goals in his uh, long career really 18 years Mm. yeah yeah 20 goals yeah 20 for Barca yeah good lord better than Tony Hibbert to be fair Right. I think one of those was against Chelsea in that Fernando Torres 2012 mm. semi-final. I think Busquets scored in that game. Dani Alves onto the loose ball. Danger here for Chelsea. And it's Busquets who turns it in. But he, that wasn't his get. You know, he was about sort of strutting around and setting the tempo. And he was an amazing player. And yeah, that midfield three, that Busquets, Xavi Iniesta, arguably the best midfield mm. of all time. Of all time? In the conversation. 
I mean, that team, you know, they won what they won both for Spain and Barcelona. They, yeah. They were all conquering. There's a great um, moment. I can't remember which game it was, but favorite Busquets moment straight from kickoff. And he get he receives it from the strikers and there's an opposition player closing in. And he just, with a little swerve of his body, the, the opposition player literally just like falls over and go, <laughs> he's off in the other direction, walking away. And I think that is that is something that I love in football that you don't see so often nowadays is just that, that use of the body the kind of mm. physical misdirection yeah um well, i can we did see that by somebody this season i'm, I'm struggling to remember who it was uh, there's very few through them just by tiago does it a little right. bit yeah. kind of with with a look and with like a little kind of tilt of the hips tiago motto was someone who i used to love doing mm. that and it's i think it's yeah it's kind of a uh, a slightly dying art i would say not a shame. Some of the, there was a good compilation. I actually found out about this in a very 2023 way. A comp uh-huh. put on by the former footballer's Twitter account about Busquets. And I thought, is he, what's happened to Busquets? And, uh, yeah, and there's a nice comp of him. There's a nice comp of him doing things like that. Yeah. Nice. Dropping the shoulder and people falling that over. That account, Charlie? Former footballers. Right. There you go. Duncan, are there any amazing numbers we should know about Busquets apart from the fact that he never scored goals? Or could you put the longevity of his career into perspective by telling us that he played alongside X when he started? Well, he, he caused problems for Manchester United in European competitions in three separate decades, which, is, which is decent going. And he, um, you know, as Charlie said, didn't score many goals, but I think he won a trophy like every sort of 22 games based really? on his... Yeah, so that, that'll do. That'll right. do. Very nice. Very nice. All right, still to come on today's Totally Football Show... Ooh, there are other Premier League games that we haven't talked about. Well, we'll dive into those and we'll have the final first round matchup in this year's Intertotally Cup. Oh, and it features you, Jack Lang. Are you excited? Uh, not really. All right. <laughs> All right, let's know. <laughs> this episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Oh, there's playoff action this weekend, including the National League playoff final at Wembley. That's on Saturday. Who's in that then, Duncan? It's Chesterfield against Notts County. It's a very league EFL style mm. fixture, but both clubs with a with a big history in the league. Both desperate to get back in it. I see. Notts County, who secured 107 points mm. across the regular season. How many games are there in a National League regular season? Uh, 46, isn't it? Right, OK. Yeah, so it's a, I mean, it's a decent haul. I mean, it is I, a decent haul. If they don't go up, I looked for other teams who got over 100 points and didn't get promoted. And right. the nearest I could get to was, um, and people will be ahead of me here, but it's uh, Kings Lynn Town in 2010-11, who uh, came runners up to St Neots, classic, <laughs> the big two. Um and yeah, they uh, they went up the next season despite finishing with over a hundred points and second again due to some whoever won it that year some ground issues. Oh <laughs> right, that happens a lot, doesn't it? it does in non-league football, yeah. yeah. But but yeah, as a, as a player final, it should be should be massive. The um, the Rex owners are flying over to watch it. Oh, they're coming, are they? Yeah, as part of their um, oh for the show. Well, it's I guess content. so. It's content, and I think right. it feels like Rex want 
Notts County to be in League Two next season so they can continue this sort of oh, nice. budding rivalry slash friendship. Huh. So. Notts County's 107 points was fully 23 more than Chesterfield. Accumulated, but a playoff final, all that goes out the, goes out the window, literally. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so careful if you're walking past Wembley. Uh, in the Premier League... That same afternoon, Aston Villa taking on Spurs. Uh, also, Crystal Palace against Bournemouth. Brentford, meanwhile, faced West Ham on the Sunday. Which of those, Jack, will see your sofa being bothered by your sofa um, sitting bit? Realistically, none of them. But I'm, I suppose, moderately excited for Villa against Spurs. <laughs> Made I mean, me feel better about the fact I'm going to that game. Yeah. Are you going to the game, yeah, Charlie? Yeah. All right, oh, let's thank come God. to you. <laughs> Moderately. What, Moderately um, what have you got? The Conference to... League playoff, potentially. I see. Well, Spurs are in sixth, Villa are in eighth. Yes. Brighton have games in hand on Spurs. Mm-hmm. Admittedly hard ones, but right. I think they're two points behind Spurs with two games in hand. So, yeah, Villa or Spurs could well, one of them could well end the season seventh and have the poison chalice of the conference is it a poison chalice well I, I, funny enough I was, piece that's gone up this morning me arguing the case for why Spurs shouldn't really want to be in it shouldn't yeah Jack Pitbrook making the case that they should uh-huh. um, kind of comes down to I don't know I, I see it as a bit of a dra- for a team like Spurs I see it as a bit of a drain that Thursday to Sunday without a huge upside I know who are Spurs to turn the nose up at trophy etc etc but I, it feels a little bit of a hiding to nothing because if you don't win it, it's no, nah, you couldn't even win the Conference League. If you do, it's nah, you've won the Conference League. It's not a proper trophy anyway. I don't. I'm, I know. Ro- I know Roma won it, and it was no. Great, uh, and and when you say when you make that, it, it, it's Jose Mourinho who said specifically that thing to to Lazio. But I don't know that people mock would say mock West Ham for not winning the. And no, but I think West Ham's very. Di- I, I'm not knocking the competition. I think right. Villa, Brighton. This sounds patronising, but they've not been in Europe for a long time. I think that'd be amazing. Go and have a proper go at the Conference League. I think for Spurs, they would be aiming, or they should be aiming anyway, for a bit higher than Conference League. And yes, ideally you would do both, but it is really hard to do both. To do that Thursday-Sunday thing... You know, they might have to play 17 games to win yeah, the Conference it is League. A big... it's a, that's a lot of games. It's true. And I think fans have this idea that, oh, no, great, you can play the kids and that would be fun. You don't. You play fringe players who you don't like and get annoyed mm. because it's a heavily rotated team. And guess what? They look really incoherent. And then you play, you do play some first-teamers and they get injured. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All it is is fans <laughs> arguing over, why are we risking Harry Kane versus... Why are we not playing Harry Kane and disrespecting the Conference League? Who are we to do that? And I just think, save yourself the aggro, folks right. in the league. I Dissolve guess, the club, then all, the, <laughs> all these problems go away. I guess particularly in the kind of state that Spurs will be in, like, right. you know, it will be a new exactly. pro- new project, I suppose. If it's things are slightly more established, so with you know with West Ham, yeah, uh, I think it probably is a, a slightly better. Fit. I mean, it, it's a it's a good case you make, and with you know funny voices as well. Well, so, yeah, that's which cute. adds weight to to the whole thing. But if you're Spurs, surely you you've got to be looking to be a team that that plays in Europe, whatever level it is. Being able to handle it, you know, having a, a structure big enough to handle it. Yes, that. but I think, why do you want to be in Europe for the prestige, for yeah. the, the the big nights? Well, yeah. Spurs averaged 30,000 uh, attendance for, the th- for their three home games in the Conference League last season. So that's more empty seats than full ones. So I don't think you're really getting that. Right. And, and also to appeal to players and managers. Well, I think a new manager would almost rather not be in it because, yeah. as Jack says, you're coming in, great free training weeks. Are players... 
is the dial going to be shifted on players you can bring in because of the Conference League? I right. suggest no. Okay. So, I mean, it's in their hands. All they have to do is just not <laughs> yeah. take any points. So, yeah, exactly. For Aston Villa Spurs, is it going to be like that bad, badminton match at the, <laughs> do you remember at, at the 2012 Olympics? When yeah. No, I, but it won't be because Villa, I think, really won it. Villa would like it. it. And also, look, Spurs mm. want to finish the season strongly and, and there's a, certainly Ryan Mason mm. definitely wants to finish it strongly, put himself in, uh, in that conversation. And, you know, I'm sure there are some Is he in that conversation, do you think? Who who else is in that conversation? Well, the, can you use the voices as well? <laughs> uh, Nagelsmann is right. is still still definitely a contender. Whether whether he's going to want it, I have to wait and see. Deserby, someone mm. who they're interested in, Arnie Slot. Um, mm. You know that they're in that they've moved. They they've slimmed down the list of targets. Right. I mean, Ryan Mason is an interesting one. He he has done well so far. Whether he'll do well enough to you know given his uh, lack of experience but you know he's 31 he's had five years worth of coaching experience so he's not a total rookie as some make him out to be 31 which is only slightly younger than Julian Nagelsmann I think yeah and also it's slightly deceptive because if he was 41 and had five years worth of coaching experience which would sort of be typical of you know most players retiring them in 30s I don't think it would be held up as such a thing because he's he retired so young, obviously, at 26. But he's got more coaching experience than Arteta had when he went to Arsenal. Mm, I'm not really? saying that means he'd do as oh, good yeah, a sure. job. Yeah. But, you know, it's not totally unheard of or crazy to appoint someone with a five years' worth of coaching experience. Absolutely. One of whom, uh, Bournemouth, uh, currently enjoying well, exactly, a, yeah. quite a run of success. Uh, Bournemouth, who are going to be at Palace and West Ham, who are in the, what's it called, Europa Conference League. They are going to be at Brentford on Sunday. Do you want to say anything about those games? Because the thing is, Jack is itching to get into his first-round clash with Jay Harris. Duncan, anything about those other games? All right, listener. Let's bring it on. Of course, we'll be looking back at those with the depth of focus that they merit in Monday's uh, Totally Football show. But next up, it is very much, Jack, bong, into Totally Time. It's time for the Intertotally Cup with proceeds going to Prostate Cancer UK. To find out more about Prostate Cancer UK's work in football, join Prostate FC, the biggest team in football taking on the most common cancer in men. Save lives from the pitch, the sofa and the stands. Visit prostatecancerukorg prostatefc. All right, listener, it's Intertotally time and this is really exciting because we've got both contestants here in the studio for a live slice of Intertotally drama. Just to fill you in on events so far, producer Charlie's already made it through to the quarterfinals. So has Daniel Story, the holder. Rory Smith's there, so Sasha Gurionov, Tom Williams, Matt Davis-Adams, and Michael Cox. And it is Michael Cox that the winner of today's last first-round bout will be facing in those selfsame quarters. Crikey, let's meet the contestants. Up first, back by unpopular demand after a year's absence, he is the athletic, samba-dancing and moustache-twirling South American football writer, not to be confused with the former French Minister of Culture, he is Jack Lang. Wow, Jack, I mean, you were already pumped, but I know after listening to the radio department. Buzzing, yeah. Yeah. It's like San Siro in here now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Novak Djokovic and... 
75 other ex-pros watching. You must be delighted to be back in the competition, though, after that year's absence. Yeah, thrilled. I, 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 was, I was actually, yeah, I was kind of strong-armed into it by producer Charlie. Really? What did he promise you? Nothing. He's just a, Persuaded a stern you. look. Yeah, it was, it was okay. stick, not carrot. But when you, were, when you were sat at home watching others take the glory last year, didn't you feel a twinge? No, <laughs> I felt nothing, James. Really? Afraid, yeah. Okay. So you won't mind if you get beaten by your opponent today, who is... Can I kick you? Can I kick you? Can I kick you? Can I kick you? And his opponent, he is the Athletics Brentford reporting and ex-Sky Sports in self-proclaimed hip-hop scholar. Give it up for Jay. Can I kick it? To all the people who can quest like a tribe does Before this, did you really know what I was? Yeah, Jay Harris, making your debut in this competition Yeah, these are the moments I've been dreaming about Whilst I've been uh, on the pod, so yeah, buzzing Yeah, all right, on a quest Yes To reach the quarters Yeah Yeah, all right, fantastic And, uh, well, I don't know, is Jack trying to maybe throw you a little bit with this I don't care I don't think it's working. It's a friendly rivalry, though. Right. Yeah, it's I'm, strange to have the two of you face to yeah, face. Yeah, I'm finding it hard to not laugh, but then also try and put a game face on at the same time. Okay, game face. Finding that quite difficult. All right. Uh, excellent. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, the winner we mentioned will be facing Michael Cox in the quarterfinals. There'll also be £10, which Live Score Bet will place on the wager of the winner's choice uh, with any uh, returns from that going to Prostate Cancer UK. Uh, what bet would you have? Brentford to beat West Ham because I think they've beaten them every single time they've played each other in the Premier League so far. It's only been three times. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. that's still a pretty good record. No, 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, it is 100%. Yeah. Uh, Jack? <laughs> uh, I'm going for both Arsenal and Man City to win this weekend to keep, keep the title race popping. Nice. All right, with uh, Duncan and Charlie sitting... On the edge of It's like having your, your mum and dad just watching you in a, in a test. It's like, come on, Is boys. <laughs> All right, here comes question one, Jay. Sergio Aguero famously scored the clinching goal when Manchester City beat QPR 3-2 to win the league in 2012. Mm. Who scored the other two goals that day, though? I think it's Edin Dzeko. Mm-hmm. Oh, and someone else. Yeah, Is who it... scored the other two? He didn't get both of them, unless that was your answer. No, 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 okay. no. I feel like one was an own goal. Um, by someone right I feel like Charlie's staring into my, my soul trying to give me so we're looking for the other two Man City goals that day I'm pretty certain Dzeko's one of them yes maybe Yaya Torre maybe that, I feel like that's an easy easy solution no, to go there Pablo Zabayeta ah would you have got that no okay that makes me feel better cheers mm. Was that, was that, are you I just being trying, kind when you no, say I that I'm trying to communicate that <laughs> yeah. through my eyes ah that's what it was yeah Question. Zed, <laughs> With your hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, please, no um, Sorry, psychic yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. assistance. Uh, question two. Which was the first club Sven Joran Eriksson managed after leaving the England job? Man City. Correct. You're on the board, Jay. Praise, feeling, praise the Lord. Mm. Question three. Which club do the following players have in common? Dimitar Berbatov, Patrice Evra, James Rodriguez... Cesc Fabregas. Monaco? Correct. Question four. This is far too tense than I expected it to be. Question four. Manuel Pellegrini has only managed one of the following teams. Which one was it? 
Espanol, Mallorca, Malaga, or Real Valladolid? I think it's Malaga. Is correct. And this to make it four out of five, Jay Harris. Question <laughs> five. Four current Manchester United players appeared in England women's Euro 22 final victory over Germany. Can you name two of them? So there's four of Man United's team who were in England women's Euro 2022 final win over Germany. Can you name two of them? Ella Toon, Alessia Russo, Mary Upps, if you want a third. Yeah. Can you do four? <laughs> wow. Jack's reeling. Finish him. Who's the fourth? Oh, so good. Can't think of the top of my head. Still, Nikita Paris. Oh, it was. But pa Nikita Paris was playing for Arsenal at the time, wasn't she? Uh, yes. But the question I, I guess it still counts. Four current still count. Manchester United yeah, yeah. players. But yeah, there you go. Four out okay. of five, Jay. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Wow, that was some skillful eye communication. Very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Felt no, like I was on the weakest good. link with the, you know, the light oh, the bearing lights down on me. Yeah. yeah, we've got some bright lights uh, here in the studio listening. Should take that picture around Robinson down mm. as well. It's very <laughs> <Yeah>. off-putting. <laughs> the queen of mean that she built herself. Now, uh, Jack. Can I concede? Yeah. Jack's got uh, a mountain to climb there. You need four correct answers just to force a tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Let's get your questions underway. First off, Michael Thomas famously scored the clinching goal when Arsenal beat Liverpool 2-0 to win the league in 1989. But who scored their other goal that day? Uh, I really don't know. So let's, let's say a name. Um, Anders Limpa. No, it was Alan Smith. Okay. Or oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, really? What's well, there's the... the cross that goes in, and does he get a touch? And if he doesn't, it was it's an indirect free kick. Yeah. All right. Okay. Late 80s controversy. Yeah. All right. Mm. Well, that could have been a controversial mm. point then, except you didn't get it anyway. So that, that's all right. <laughs> Question two Which club did Sven Jorn Eriksson leave to take the England job? Lazio. Correct. Correct. Need three more correct answers to force the tie. Question three. Which club do the following players have in common? Idol Goodjonson, Ronaldo, the phenomenal one, Ian Robin, and Park Ji-sung. Which club did they all play for? Say the first two again. So the first two were Idol Goodjonson, mm -hmm. Ronaldo, Ian Robin, and Park Ji-sung. All played for which club? PSV. Correct! Question four then, Jack. Marcelo Bielsa has only managed one of the following teams, but which one was it? Espanyol, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, or Valencia? Espanyol, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, Valencia. Yeah, only one of those was managed by Marcelo Bielsa, but which? Oh, I can't remember any of those. Um, Espanyol, Sevilla... Sevilla. He's incorrect, Jack. I'm afraid it was Espanol. He managed Espanol. I don't remember either. Mm. Espanol. Mm. He managed Espanol. There you go. Are we having a VAR check? <laughs> <laughs> well, they are, literally. I can't believe this. They're, they're, they're checking the, uh, 
Wow, okay. Yeah, it's true, listener. Nick Miller not making it up. Question five. To finish on a high, like Arsenal with their yeah. end of season, that you're sure. ordering them. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal women have lost four players to ACL injuries this season. Can you name two of them? Uh, Beth Mead and Miedema. Vivian Correct. Miedema. Correct. So three out of five, Jack. Huh. Decent. Yeah. But not decent enough to beat Jay Harris. Nice one, Jay. Thank you, thank you. Well, done, Jay. well played. Congrats. Well played. Thank you, thank you. Handshakes all round in the studio. <laughs> in, in a sense, you know, uh, we're all winners. Here. Yeah, are we... an honourable defeat, and I don't yeah. have to do it again. You don't <laughs> have to do it again. Great. Congratulations, Mr. Harris. You're through to the next round of the Intertitally Cup. And if you think that Jay's onto something sensible with his bet that Brentford will beat West Ham, it's priced at 1.4 to 1 on LiveScoreBet.com or the LiveScoreBet app. Odds are accurate at the time recording. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Uh, there you go. Quarterfinals, Jay. Start on Monday. You're not in the first one, though. That is producer Charlie against Daniel Story. Oh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm up against Coxie, aren't I? You're up against Coxie. It's a David versus Goliath we'll, we'll situation. We'll supply you that. with some mind games. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Please make sure one question's about Ralph Ranyuk and then... Uh... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just it's hit... all about Ralph Ranyuk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the life and times. Yeah. Ralph, Ralph Ranyuk round. Uh, hit the Rothmans. Uh, not the cigarettes, obviously, the uh, yeah. yearbooks. Although, I don't know. It's your... Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, good. C- congratulations, Thank Jay. You. Fantastic. Uh, magnificent. Commiserations to you, Jack, but then not so much, eh? Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Good. And uh, that's <laughs> the Intertotally first round completed. Brilliant. Uh, listen, that also brings us to the end of today's Totally Football Show. So it's thanks as well to Duncan and Charlie and producer Charlie. And you have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy all the stuff coming up. And we'll be back on Monday. For now, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.